0: Welcome to the Not Your Average My podcast, where four Hmong American women working to move our community forward one conversation at a time will provide a raw, fun, and not so average perspective on important everyday issues.
1: So tune in every
2: month with Liz, Mania, Monica, and Katie. Let's get started. Hey everyone, we're excited to have
1: you back for episode two of. Not Your Average my This month, we thought it made the most sense to talk about the ongoing humanitarian crisis at the southern border and the thousands of babies that the United States continues to keep locked up in cages um, in dangerous and unsafe conditions. Of course, we'll also talk about the many Southeast Asians in our communities who have been departed or are at risk of being deported. Um, as you've probably noticed, under this administration, communities of color, have been targeted specifically because of, you know, what's basically the white supremacist agenda. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are not going to be afraid to say it. that's That's what it is. Um, you know, and that means, in many ways, nobody is safe because our our president, 45, has made it a priority to keep brown people out of the country at the southern border, through visas and stuff like the Muslim ban, and also by taking steps like increasing enforcement Actions um, to keep about who are already here in the country.
2: For those of you on Twitter's and keeping up with the news, you guys know that Trump recently tweeted that there will be a series of immigration raids across the country. Yep. And then he ended up pulling it back, and he told ICE to delay it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And so for folks who don't know, I'm you know ICE stands for Immigration and Customs Enforcement. They do a lot of the domestic enforcement, um, and they're different from CBP, which is Customs and border protection and they're the folks who who are at the border. You've probably noticed this already But under trump ice and cvp have been emboldened to be meaner crueler, to you know Go and try to apprehend people from like courtrooms hospital schools and stuff like that and you know, obviously you guys Probably heard about you know, all the like the says and sexes Facebook groups that like the cvp officers use I mean, just really awful people
0: so this episode's gonna be a lot right we may not have a lot of time to <laughs> dive in real deep into everything but um, basically Trump has caused a lot of drama and insecurity by not promising to like renew um, TPS or the temporary protective status or deferred enforced departure um, status for certain groups of people from places like Liberia, yeah. Nepal right who've fled like natural disasters or w- warfare in their home countries. A lot of this has been done during both the Republican and Democratic administrations and basically Trump right. has upended, yeah, tradition right. by not automatically renewing these um, the statuses for these people.
1: I mean, it's not, you know, as easy as like legal and un- not legal, like there are so many people with different statuses. So, there's a lot that we could say about immigration policy In in our country, just because it's it's huge, Um, but due to time constraints, we want to really just kind of do two things: help folks get a better sense of what's going on at the southern border and kind of what you can do about it, and also talk about how you know the increased um, enforcement action has been affecting um, people in the Hmong community and Vietnamese, Cambodian, Southeast Asian communities. You know, some of us are from California and and Minnesota, and we definitely you know have kind of seen that. So we want to. Talk to them and share resources on what, where folks can go. Mm-hmm. So before we continue,
3: I do want to point out that, you know, some people might say, well, under President Obama's administration, he was known as deporter-in-chief mm-hmm. and he re- deported so many people. Recent numbers from ICE and the Department of Homeland Security showed that President Obama deported more people overall and more yeah. criminals than the Trump administration in the first fiscal years in office. He's probably mad about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, under Trump, ICE deportations were decreased in 2017, but then increased in 2018 and hit a high of about um a little over 280,000
0: um this Jesus year as
1: of June. Christ, mm-hmm. but it's still yeah. lower than Obama, which is funny. Mm-hmm. Right,
0: but besides the point, right, like, I I totally get that. Like, I think the point we're trying to make is that Trump is literally locking up babies and tearing families apart, right? Like, at least under Obama's administration, like, only, um, you know, quote, unquote, criminals, right? And uh, people who had, like, I think higher, higher like records or criminal records.
3: Yeah, like um, violent. Yeah. violent
0: records were um, were exactly. deported, right? <laughs> like under like under ICE and the CPB. Obama told them not to go after low level folks. Whereas Trump is basically just freaking deporting anyone and everyone who's come at the border, right? Babies, families, parents, etc. I I just feel like the reason why we're super upset and why I think, you know, among people, the Southeast Asian community should
2: care is because this mm-hmm. is literally what our people went through. Right. Yes, you're right. I mean, these stories are pretty much parallel to our own stories. That's why we should give a fuck. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, people are always going to say, Oh, it's because it's a different circumstances, but it really isn't. Everybody's just trying to. Flee yeah, for it's like not. Life. Yeah. That's, that's what it is. And like, Talking about your own stories. I mean, like I know that my mom almost drowned to crossing the main Kong River. Me and my dad were just talking about this a couple of weeks ago. And he said that she had fallen off the raft, their makeshift mm-hmm. raft. And she luckily like grabbed onto like a log or something that was floating by. And that was the reason why she made it. But my mom could have been that picture too, if we were to put it like that, you know? And this is yeah. why we need to realize that these stories are pretty much our own stories being told over and over again. That's why it's like, people just need to wake up and realize it's not just their problems, mm-hmm. all of our problems. Yeah. I,
3: yeah. I completely agree with you both. I think when I talk to my parents, and so people of my parents generation for them it's hard to see that parallel right because they they feel like because they were involved in the sacred war they went into the refugee camps in Thailand I think that process was a little bit different than what's happening now right so for them they don't see parallels between that and and they're they're like well you know these people have their own country so why don't they just say in their countries, right? Like they don't understand that. Mm -hmm. families, parents, kids are fleeing violence the same way that they did Mm -hmm. as kids, right? And, you know, talking to my parents, like they arrived in the camps in Thailand when they were seven or 10, just like these kids are. Yesterday, mm-hmm. when I was talking to my mom, I'm like, you know, what was the process like? Like, do you remember the documentation process? Um, right when you landed in in Thailand at the border, like, did they question you? And for my mom, she doesn't remember anything, right? She was, she was a at kid. Time. Yeah. So traumatic. Yeah. Right. Like she probably didn't remember. I know. She was like, oh, our parents just deal with that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember anything. But then for my dad, like, he lost his family members along the way when he was crossing the river. Oh, so my So he gosh. arrived Th- in Thailand by himself. You know, when I think about these kids, I think about my dad, and I'm like, he was. 10 at that time, I felt like that process was a little bit different, right? Because quote unquote, a war was going on, right? And Thailand was definitely at the border. So the camp was already set up. Like my parents grew up in the refugee camp. I was born in uh, Jauvinai. Talking to my mom, she was like, yeah, they were going to close the camp down. So we had two options. It was Mm. to go to Panau transition camp before coming to the U.S. or to go back to Laos. Panau set up to process people, to move them to whatever countries they were going to be resettled in. That was when they got tested for everything, right? Like all of the medical testing and then learn a little bit of English before coming to the U.S. I bring this up because I feel like this due process is not given to these families who are seeking asylum at the border. Mm-hmm. Yes. they're Yeah. Like, it takes a really long time to mm-hmm. get the status as a refugee. Sometimes it takes like two years to get all of that process. You go through interrogation, you go through interviews, record history. Right. So,
2: background so, checks. so
3: yeah, background mm-hmm. checks. So I yeah. feel like these stories parallel because refugees, like you're, it, it's not their choice to leave their homes. They are fleeing yep. for a reason, right? Yep. Yep for persecution and it, sometimes i think it's hard for our parents to kind of see that because they might not understand the context as to why these families are escaping yeah. yeah well
0: That's i mean true. i think you bring up a really great point right mania because everyone always says well you know they're not fleeing any wars or the u.s mm-hmm. wasn't involved but really the u.s is foreign policy and everything that they've done in the past has led up to this point right like creating yeah, really unstable environments in the south and central america It's exactly the reason why um, these people at the border are coming to the US, right? Because their homes are no longer stable. Like, just like when the CIA came to recruit Hmong people in Laos to help them fight Mm -hmm. the Vietnam War effort. Like, that is why, you know, the Hmong people felt so strongly that the US owed it to us for us to come to America, right? Like, this is exactly the same reason why People are coming um, from the Central and South America to the U.S. because we fucked up their homeland. I think if we were able to explain it that way, like our parents, our families would better understand like, oh, actually, the U.S. owes it to to these people, at least, you know, f- to provide a process, right, to allow right, these people to right. come here.
1: Thank you so much for sharing your story, Mania, because, um, you know, there, there was a huge debate in Minnesota and in the United States when, like, you know, like the most recent batches, like Hmong refugees came over because so many people were like, you know, there's no war anymore. Like, these people were just in Thailand. Like, we don't know why we're taking these people. Like, this happens all the time where people, like, white people, the United States doesn't take, don't take responsibility, right? And they don't understand that, you know, even though the conflict has happened like decades before, I mean, there's still trauma, there's still poverty because Mm -hmm. like people never got a good, good grounding, right? This... This is so insightful because I never thought about it that way. And because growing from Minnesota, um, you know, so many people were getting ready to like prepare for the new refugee families to come and stuff. But other people were like protesting. They were mad. And honestly, a lot of these people were white people.
0: So what's, what, what's the difference then between asylum seekers and refugees? Like, I think maybe that'll help like clear up.
1: Some uh, yeah, just, just like... a slight defin- uh, a slight technicality. Refugees tend to be more political and they're fleeing their country because their government cannot or will not protect them um sometimes the government um
2: like mong people them, so but kind of like, like mong people
1: right and then um asylum seekers are people who mm, have okay. fled their home country um and are seeking protection elsewhere um but that can also be like freedom from persecution from like gangsters you know domestic mm-hmm. violence like other things like that it's, there's a higher threshold for being a refugee.
3: Yeah, so from my understanding, the term refugee, it's it's a status that is given to you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can yeah. be at the border and you're considered an asylum seeker. Yep. You're not considered a refugee yet until you have been determined that you're a refugee by UNHCR. The United nation nation's high what is it commission yeah, high
1: commission for mm. um, refugees oh, and then once
3: you're it. given this refugee status you can be resettled to whichever country is willing to accept you as refugee it. so every so not all okay. not all asylum seekers will become refugees because it's such got a long it. process right through that process you know they will probably be in detention centers like families mm. at the mm. southern border yeah. right now but the got thing it. is like
1: that's a very international thing. I mean, basically, asylum seekers like the United States has statutes determining mm-hmm. what our asylum seekers. Yeah. Do. We will take the asylum seekers that we want to, and that's kind of like the problem right now. So the president has like created his this new system to make it harder for people to get asylum. What's going on the border is is also again a humanitarian crisis. Yes, produced and precipitated by U.S. Trump foreign
0: policy. Because
1: yeah. we also have a law. That also makes it a felony to come into the United States without proper documentation and legal status. This is commonly known as Section 1325.
0: Ah, uh, is this what so, Julian Castro mentioned in the debate? Like, yes,
1: we're not endorsing any presidential <laughs> Yes. Status, <but laughs> okay. That's correct. Right. Just wanted I mean, to note.
2: Yeah.
1: I love him. He's by far like the, the smartest if, dude yeah. um, who's put together a plan, right, to, to address immigration yeah. issues. But because we now want to criminalize everyone um the government is saying you know these these families that come in their parents um have com- uh, committed this um misdemeanor and so um they're we detained, jailed whatever the system is where they're um they're captured and then their kids are taken away from them that. that's ridiculous um, does
0: this apply yeah. to people who come in from the canadian border i haven't heard about that happening
2: actually the canadian border um has increased in illegal immigrants coming in, too, mm-hmm. but that's such a problem because of their skin color. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. the main focus is down on the South. Actually in this past year was it 900 illegal immigrants crossed over from the Canadian border. Wow. Yeah. I,
1: I mean, because the thing that, is, like,
2: so. the US-Canada border is- it was longest, fucking
1: wide open. Like, historically, that was something we were proud of. Like, it's one of like the longest kind of, um you know, unprotected borders, per se, because we didn't have like a wall and everything obviously some people already kind of noticed that we kind of have like structures along the Southern border already. And then they're also kind of like natural structures. The the crazy thing is, I mean, the government is, is, you know, saying these parents are criminals. They're going to detain them and they're going to separate them from their, their kids. Um, And you know, they're, they're throwing them into these crowded dirty facilities that are supposed to be temporary, but they're not. And they're just keeping the kids there because nobody wants to do anything with them
3: relating to that but katie you mentioned illegal immigrants with this term wanted to put this out there like i don't think that is the right term to talk about people who come you know who cross the border for a safer place for opportunities because for me like nobody should be illegal right like Mm -hmm. this status it's more of policies right when i talk about these families to me they're like undocumented immigrants like they don't have documents to come to this country, mm-hmm. but it's not illegal to seek asylum in the country. I don't think right. that term should yeah. continue to be used,
2: so yeah. right. I think we just need to be a little bit mindful of how we talk about families too. Yes, it's not their correct term, but it's what everyone phrases as because you know they're making it such policy illegal. You know, that's right. where mm-hmm. the term, you know, illegal immigrants, but it really isn't. It's just people, yes, like you said, without documents, you know, and that's why it's more, if it's not just like a legal and an illegal thing, it's a policy change that needs to happen to make it easier for people to see asylum that they're seeking for to become, right, right, it's right. the whole process that's fucked up, you know, it's not so much like the people who are fucked up and want to cross over illegally, but it's like, you know, it's like if you're at uh, your within and you have no option, you're going to cross over no matter what to protect your right. family. Protect
1: yourself. But I, I think...
2: The use of illegal
1: though is is used intentionally to vilify people. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, right, like this is this and is that's why, like, my issue with yeah, it. Right, right. Yeah. Want brown people to come in, mm-hmm. and so you know they they're equating like, them with being bad, but that's not true. And I think that's right. important to yeah, like emphasize and and bring out. because they're parents and children like just trying to find shelter and, and protection and safety.
0: So that's why, I mean, which is why we use the terms like undocumented immigrants or undocumented migrants, right? Or just asylum seekers, because that's what
1: they are. So sad when the family unit is, is torn apart and mm-hmm. the kids are watching yeah. kids on
0: their own. But yeah, like, what what happens then, right? Like, what do we do with cases like Oscar and Valeria Martinez, right, who show up, you know, drowned at the river? Or, like, what do we do with these kids that are, like, rounded up in these super, like, unsanitary facilities, right, that are being rounded up like animals in, in cages. Like, and if you, I, if you guys have seen the latest like articles, like they, they asked the children what they felt like living in these cages and like literally, I think one of the kids drew like a picture of them, stick figures, like in a jail, like so.
1: Yeah. Right. Like, I, I mean, so, you know, for families of like that, had they been apprehended at the border, the parents and the kids would have been separated. Um, the dad, like I said, would have gone to maybe like his custody, or you know, if if the local county has like a partnership with ICE, they they'd basically be in custody, detained somewhere, and the kids would um, ideally should be shipped to OR care, um, the Office Office of Refugee Resettlement, um, or they would be in these holding facilities that we've heard so much about in Texas and stuff, which is like awful. Um, so there's definitely like a disconnect between um, CBP like doing their job and like meeting the max 72 <coughs> hours. Um, but they're supposed to hold people temporarily and then transferring the kids over to OR care or has said they don't have money, which is why Congress passes like huge 4.6 billion spending package for them. But there are a lot of problems with kids in OR care as well, because the, then the, like these facilities that they transfer kids to are not licensed. And there are a lot of like people who haven't been had, uh, haven't had like background checks done in them, um, so you just, there's like a huge problem in the whole system where no one really wants to take responsibility and people aren't doing the jobs they're supposed to basically, right? Um, and that's why, I mean, the kids who are in these temporary influx shelters under CBP care, like they just don't have kitchens to cook food or like all the, you know, proper amount of beds, you know, working sinks and toilets and, and whatnot.
0: I mean, we've, we've already read stories of Kids being sexually assaulted and you know, harassed by these guards or, or people, um, that are supposedly supposed to care for these children at these camps. And like, um, kids have already been like adopted or or um, you know, taken away from their families without yeah. permission, right? Like,
3: mm-hmm. and a lot of families were placed in, by the California Mexico border, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and they big, have been or- waiting.
2: Or they 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 haven't crossed the border yet. They're actually the Mexico side.
3: Yeah. So they've been waiting for the process to get their paperwork done. And they're mad that quote unquote uh, caravans of people or migrants are coming. And they're afraid that these people will take their place in, in, in line to get their paperwork processed. So. Again, I think the news media p- uh, pits people against each other a lot. But yeah. again, for families who have never been to the U.S. and who needs to be, who needs to do all of that paperwork, and they're in these detention centers or these camps. Like, should the camps be closed, or should we expand the camp so that maybe there's more personnel to process their paperwork, or is that the actual system that is refusing to process the paperwork? So no matter what we do, no matter how many camps we open across the U.S., these kids and parents will still be will still be coming prison yeah right. in prison
2: yeah. yeah like um one thing from one of those articles that i read that was really important was that uh, this is not an immigration crisis it's not an asylum crisis it's a, a management, management crisis. crisis yeah yeah providing so, human which, treatment to refugees which goes back to many point right so maybe the question mm. is like instead so like, of- do we need to open up more detention centers probably not more so just reorganizing the fucking management and where money goes and shit. I think
3: so. Because clearly, I I feel like no matter if there's more personnel, more camps, they are still refusing to process process people. So they're sending the message, okay, if you come to the
2: U.S., you're just going to be detained
3: in our country, you're going to be in prison and there's no
2: due process. Like, there's no... It, yeah, the management needs to be rehauled. It's not the personnel. I mean, yeah, that can help. But yeah, if you're sending the wrong message, and that person's just going to repeat everything and so that's so it wrong in anyway. the policies. No, then no, no, no.
0: Because so, I think ultimately, at the end of the day, like we know this isn't going to end while Trump is still president, right? And this, this is why you know we have these articles about what we can do in spite of Trump still being president. So we know it's a policy issue. We know it's a management issue.
3: If we close the camps, what's going to happen, happen to these, these kids? Will they you know, for families I don't, who
2: yeah, I already don't think have necessarily a- close the camps because I don't think that's gonna solve anything either. Because yes, at the end of the day, these people still need a place to live, somewhere to stay as they do their process, just like any other thing. Um, I know the camps are shitty because most of these are run for profit companies and uh, no one really gives a shit there's not really like right. a standard to be met if we're like just take care of this shit so i don't have to fucking deal with it kind of attitude but i mean if we spent more time uh focusing where this money is going and actually helping people with this money instead of just trying to like sustain them you know then maybe it would be like be more proactive of what's gonna happen instead of just trying to like hide away from it and like just keep it out of the public eye, public shit, you know. Uh, I think it's not really necessary to close the camps but reorganizing the camps would do a great justice you know because most immigrants they're saying or most undocumented immigrants are coming to the United States because they already have family here or they already have some ties or connections to help them get in. So like releasing them to their families and releasing them to their communities and then having um, set up like a better system with like um, instead of like ice raiding and stuff like that, how about like they go out there and set up appointments be like hey do welfare checks hey come to your appointments things like that i think there were some statistics in those articles about like when they did run some some of that for like six months at a time to see how it is and there's um that uh it was more cost efficient and it was more uh, more people are more likely to show up because they actually are they want that help and they're seeking for that help yeah. you know they're dates and stuff like that so it's not like maybe just like building up more detention centers but like uh reformat the system into like and you know, um uh i guess rejoining com- uh, families together because that was half the problems so like if parents came forward to like claim their kids then they would be set back because they arrested yeah exactly
0: so i think these are the three things then right like allow the due process for these folks to you know, have the chance to seek asylum because it's legal, right? And you, I think you mentioned that before, Minya, that it's based mm-hmm. on, it's legal, right? And then two, for people who are currently, you know, here already and in those camps, reunite them with their families, especially the children who've been separated and torn from their parents. And third, close the camps eventually, because once we reunite these people, give these people a chance um, to seek asylum, like there will be no need for these camps The thing is that I think we should highlight and um, note that this immigration crisis or humanitarian crisis at the border is also affecting like Asian Americans, right? Our Southeast Asian community. Like it is not just this, you know, Latino issue or.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I just want to say like, I mean, this, all these immigration policies, like they're larger than Trump. Like he's just the enabler. Right. But like it's part of the white supremacist agenda and Um, You know, our our entire immigration policy has been very, like, pro-white and, like, anti people of color, like, forever, right? Like, Asian people were, Chinese people were the first people to be targeted by an immigration law, you know, with the Chinese Exclusion Act, right, of 1882. Um, So, for all those people out there, like, support Trump, I mean, it's not that we, you know, don't like you. We just think that, you know, you need to know, like, like Monica said, sorry to interrupt, like, no. The Southeast Asian community is being targeted. Yep, um, and it, no one it, believes. It may not be <laughs> you today. It may yep. not be you
2: today, but my- exactly because if you let the, if you let the door crack open, it will fucking swing open eventually yep. and get every. So, the injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. So, people need to wake up and this problem may not be your problem, but tomorrow, next year, somewhere down the line, it will be your problem because you let it happen. You let it slip by instead of stopping. And, um, Minnesota 8, for those that don't know, is a group of um, eight Cambodian men in their 30s, you know, who all had like a trouble pass or like did something as a teenager and they lost their green card. They served their time already but then when they were released they were supposed to be deported which didn't happen because of the long-standing dispute between the united states and K- cambodia so these guys you know they got out and mm. established their lives had yep. started families jobs careers and stuff like that and they were still re- i mean they were still reporting to um immigration to like report twice a year and stuff like right. that mm-hmm. but you know at like one of their last schedule. Uh, meetings, they were just like, hey, we're gonna arrest you guys and deport you guys. And that's where the problem comes in. It's like, okay, and I, I'm talking about like, so, I mean, they all had like different degrees of criminal records, you know? So True. one was like, I think like uh, like broken windows at a bar or something like that. And one was like, yeah. yes, attempted murder. So, I mean, I mean, everyone has their own issue, but the real issue is that, you know, you guys let these people go, they establish their life, they're living now, but yet now you guys wanna send these people back to Cambodia and, and most of these- A country they never knew. Yeah, exactly our countries they didn't know they never grew up there they didn't they don't know anyone there they could barely speak the language and it's like here here you guys go yo, go get 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 the f out of our country because we don't want you anymore but even though now they might be um abiding well, buying citizens functioning members and stuff like that but because of a mistake that they made as a, a young adult or something they're gonna be prosecuted for it and it's like we we can't stand our hiring force not like we've never made mistakes before but our only difference is that we are maybe citizens and that's the only thing that fucking is the difference and this saved us and um you know i mean i just can't believe that people are looking on this and be like they deserve that shit no one deserves right. anything really
1: you know, we might think oh this is just cambodia but really like the united states yep. is pushing um vietnam and laos to also you know negotiate some of these repatriation deals um and they're being awful bullies i do want to note that not every mong
3: person is a citizen okay yep. so for people who are like oh this can never happen to Hmong people yep. um it, it can it, it can happens. happen the process to becoming a citizen a naturalized citizen takes such a long time yeah. yeah like my family had to go through that my parents went through that thank god when we the were under 18 process too. it's so it's yeah. because yeah. so much that's yeah. why
2: people don't do it mm-hmm. yeah. right it's so costly yeah. and time-consuming and if you get a criminal record, it only makes it that fucking much harder. Like, yeah. Once you get a criminal record as like a legal alien, you're pretty much fucking screwed. Even if you try to go get your fucking citizen, you're going to have to fucking hire a lawyer and pay for more money and more fees and stuff like that because you're not going to be able to get it without a fucking lawyer. Yep. And Even for like a simple DUI, maybe you didn't hurt anybody, but you were caught drinking or things like that, and it's on your record and you decide to go apply for your citizenship, that's already a black mark. I mean, like... And, yeah. like, you know, yeah. yes, people are... That's the first thing people say. If, if it was such a big concern for these people, how come they didn't apply for the citizenship, you know? It's like, exactly. Mm-hmm. First of all, it ain't hard free. It ain't fucking yeah. free. And second of all, since, because I made this mistake, it makes it even fucking harder for me. And mm-hmm. unless you're sitting there paying for my fucking bills, I mean, how are you to point fingers and stuff? I mean, if it was accessible, as it should have been for everybody, then it wouldn't be a problem, you know? But it's not. Mm-hmm. They make yeah. it so hard on people of color. Yeah. Because I mean, who, who else is this? Program target people of color, you know. I mean, yes, you know, these people might have wanted to before it came to this point, but they couldn't afford it, they couldn't. And who am I to judge the choices someone else makes, you know? It's right.
3: Like, Honestly, I remember when I was like in fifth grade, my mom would listen to cassettes, and um, I mean, oh. she would listen to cassettes to study the questions. Wow. And would, like, help her with the answers. Oh. Um, and obviously, the questions are. Harder now, right? Yeah, like it's not well, and it's in English, so like
0: a second language that she doesn't understand or
3: speak first, right? um And like it's so expensive. I have five of us who are born in the refugee camps in Thailand. So adding my parents to it, you're you're paying for seven people to become naturalized citizens, right? And for people Mm -hmm. who cannot afford to save up to do that, people who are
1: on like SNAP or yeah.
3: Systems. And for my parents, it was like, we need to become naturalized citizens. So I'm so glad yeah. that they made that choice to do it at
1: when we were that young. It is really scary. Like under this on um, Citizenship and Immigration Services, um, they haven't been really processing um, naturalization documents um, as they're supposed to. So even though, like, this process is so hard and expensive, yep. but, like, and the longer you have a lawyer, the more expensive your case yep. is. Um, you know, the agency that's supposed to be doing this, like, they are very anti-immigrant, and they're they're not doing the job that they're supposed to,
2: um,
1: you know, which which makes it scarier and, you know, it's super upsetting. So I was just
3: thinking about this yesterday, and I was just thinking how depressing it is uh, when I think about the asylum-seeking process because it's so challenging. It takes such a long time. And then once you have the refugee status and call this pagan democracy, right, to vote, it's not like you are coming to the U.S. because you wanted to, and, you know, for these families, they are fleeing persecution. They're fleeing violence, right? I still believe that they need to be given that opportunity to be able to get the refugee status through this
2: process.
0: Yeah, totally agree 100%, Minya. What can we do, Liz? Like, or what can we do to help this process or to to assist these families these children at the border
1: well i mean i think like you said right like if if america is to live up to its you know values and ideals have to have to participate also right as as active citizens and i think that can come um you know many arms that can come in donating your your resources and your time i think we've definitely you know heard reports of of CBP officers, like, rejecting donations of, like, toiletries and other things like that. So there are a lot of, like, you know, very good organizations out there um, helping with legal representation of some of these children. You know, their parents, like Rice's or, or ACLU, um, you know, who, who are trying to reunite families, trying to um, stop a lot of the president's um unconstitutional and illegal immigration policies. I mean, another thing to mention is we talked a little bit about um tps and DED earlier but um you know the house passed hr 6 which is the american yes
0: totally um, yes forgot to talk about that yes
1: yeah and so this would um you know build upon um the 2001 dream act um by combining protections for dreamers um with people who have tps or ded and this still needs to pass the senate so um, you know, people can call, call your, senators, your senators, especially if you are, you know, states that um, maybe are a little bit more purple. Yes, among you know, people, people in
0: Oklahoma, Arkansas, Georgia, the South. Please call your senators if you hear us. Call what? Yeah,
1: and in Maine. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, we talked a little bit about um, the Minnesota Eight, and so I think that. Um, it would be remiss not to also mention that they, they have a Tumblr, um, that you should go to and you can donate money to them, which is you know, release minnesota8.tumblr.com. Um, there are also a bunch of like Asian American organizations that are, are doing good work around this, like, um, Asian Americans Advancing Justice LA. Um, they also, um, sometimes help, um, people with legal questions. Oh, and then just as a disclaimer, um, this episode is not meant to give out legal advice at all um yep so if you seek if you are seeking legal advice um we'll post some resources on our website um but you know we hope that people were able to to learn things um you know kind of maybe spark questions more to ask their parents about um you know their immigration story and how you know they they came to america um and and also really you know help people find a way to take action if you're Um, you know, really sad and disturbed by what's going on at our southern border.
0: Yes, please, folks, get educated, get excited and get activated. Like, I think we (laughs) like, I can't stress that enough, whether it's having the conversation, you know, with your friends, your peers, your family members, donating to these organizations that really could use um, any and all resources um, or or helping out other people or doing your part, right? Voting in the elections because undocumented folks can't. Voting and mm-hmm. electing yes. progressive yes. members. Yes. Exercise yes. your right to vote and vote these people out and elect leaders that will protect our communities, right? And these people at the border. Um, it is absolutely like, I, I can't stress that enough. Like, I don't know if you know how much power you hold in your vote, but please, 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 don't only vote in presidential elections. Vote in the um, off election years Everybody too, please. Every election, uh, your local elections, uh, election. all of that affects everything.
1: Um, you know, a lot of governors have been pardoned. Yes. to people, you know, who had some of these like low level offenses. Yes, so Governor Brown. Yep. Um,
0: yep. I think pardoned a few folks last year from the Southeast Asian community. Um, when yeah. they were asking for pardons. Um, I don't know about Minnesota, but um I feel I'm like sure. with Governor Dayton in office like I, I I would hope that he would consider you know the Minnesota eight and would enter intervene there I'm I'm not sure because I haven't
2: looked at that up but I, I believe I believe one of them was um and because he he had said that um it would cause too much like grief for his family and stuff he has like mm. two kids and a wife so I believe mm. one of them is Back here, and i believe four of them was deported one is Ugh, not awful. and the other one will still be waiting or so got it so there's so
0: there's still work to do right folks so i um again yeah i don't think we can stress it enough but i hope our mong brothers and sisters like please like hear us out and like
2: yeah get involved yes at the bottom the bottom line is that we need to remember that we are such privileged people and we need to speak up act up um, for those that those that that can't because of their status, you know, and I'm talking right. about like kids who can't yeah. speak for themselves, and we're talking about kids who are as young as five months who are sitting in these detention centers. Yeah, I mean, who the fuck cares for them? You know, if they're away from the parents, these are questions you have to ask for yourself. Do you know <laughs> a five month old in your life? Can they? take care of themselves probably not you know and the best person to take care of them is probably their parents you know at the end of the day we need to be thinking about um, these children yes these children more than anything
3: yeah so you know as we wrap up this episode put yourself in that situation like what is this was your little sister brother or cousin seeking asylum at the border obviously you would not want harm to be done to them and i think we really need to invest
1: this empathy and compassion all right thank you everybody um,
3: so make sure to check out our resources that will be posted on the website our website is not your average and all of our social media channels make sure you subscribe like follow us
0: yeah and you know provide us your thoughts your comments right like um, we're hoping that folks will also engage and um, stay um, active and in- motivated in this issue.
3: Thanks for listening, folks. Thanks. Bye.